you want to be turning this morning, you don't have to stand just yet, but if you'd like to be turning to 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to be coming from 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse um, 13. But you don't have to stand just yet. As you're turning, a couple of weeks ago, you'll remember that I spoke to you about how the body of Christ is made up of many members. and They all have different qualities, and they all have different purposes. You remember I talked to you about uh, uh, like a jigsaw puzzle, that it's, it's kind of like putting a puzzle together. There are times you run across pieces to where you don't know exactly where they fit. And sometimes, I'm sure if you've ever put a puzzle together, you would swear up and down that this piece don't fit in this puzzle. There is not a place for it. But if you throw that piece away, you're going to get to a point to where that piece was needed every time. So I, I talked to you about making sure that we understood that all members of this body are very much needed. All members of this body are very much equal. All members of this body are not the same though. They are all uniquely different. And many times those differences, we, we begin to allow them to, to just make friction between us. And we become like little brothers and sisters growing up. We, we, we start getting on each other's nerves. And if you'll be honest, that's what a family does, right? We get on each other's nerves. And uh, so, you know, but at the end of the day, we'll fight for our family, won't we? At the end of the day, everybody else can pick on, I can pick on my brother, but you don't pick on my brother. At the end of the day, I can be mean to my sister, but you don't mess with my sister. You know, at the end of the day, we are family, and that is the mindset that we have to get to in this thing, that you are my brothers and my sisters. You are indeed my family. We started looking at, that God actually designed it to be this way. We read from 1 Corinthians chapter, 14, uh, chapter 12, verses 14 through 25. You don't have to go there. But we read that every part is equally needed to become everything that God designed it to be. If it's going to operate to, the, to God's design, we need every single part in this body. We need every member. We need every piece. We saw that even the pieces that we, we can't necessarily see what their purpose is. Even the pieces that the Bible called unpresentable. Because you don't see everything that they do. We learned that God actually bestowed greater honor upon these pieces. And He done it for a purpose and a reason. He did it so that the ones that were presentable like me, you see everything I do, you see everything that you see my teaching, my preaching, and I would look like one of the most important parts of the body if you're just looking from out there. However, God designed it for the lesser parts to actually be more honorable so that I realize when I have knowledge of that, I don't take you for granted. I realize that I cannot do my job without you. I realize that you are a very much needed part of my ministry if I'm going to get through this thing. And vice versa. He said that the presentable parts, they really have no need of honor because we're presentable. We get it. I stand in front of you all the time. I receive honor. I receive glory for the things that I do. So he didn't design it that way. He designed the less presentable parts to actually bestow greater honor on. They are actually, if you want to be honest, more needed is basically what he's trying to say. He composed the body that away. And then he ended, and I didn't get to read this to you, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I think it was verse 24 and 25, he said God composed the body this way so that every member should, not will, 
Every member should have the same care for one another. Now, we don't get that, do we? We don't. But he said he designed it a certain way so that every member should get the same care. And this is what we're trying to grow into, care for the body. A couple of Sunday nights ago, I began to speak to those of you that were able to be here. I know some of you were in Awana, some weren't able to make it that night. But I spoke to as many as were here that night about the ways that the New Testament teaches us to care for the body. I'm going to go through just a few of these recapping real quick. One comes from Romans chapter 15 verse 7. And Tim's probably got that. He can flip up there pretty quick. Romans chapter 15 beginning in verse 7. Probably the only verse. The Bible tells us to welcome one another. Or the New King James Version says to receive one another. Receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. He told us that we should be welcoming people. And I'm going to tell you, I'm loving what I'm seeing. Because after that Sunday night, the next Sunday morning, I looked up and there was people going around shaking hands everywhere, welcoming people. I told them that, you know, years ago, and it still is to some degree, but, but, but several years ago, every person that walked in that church just talked about the love of the people that radiated this place. And that still is today. But... As, as any church, as new members come in that aren't accustomed to that, they come in and unless they continue that, as the church grows, guess what? You begin to lose some of that. Instead of coming in and just welcoming everybody, you come in and go straight to your seat and you sit down. And don't get me wrong, I understand some people just ain't, just ain't that kind of person. I'm not either. <laughs> but I try to get around and shake as many hands as I can, let you know that I'm glad that you're here. It's not my style. It cramps my style, just to be honest with you. I, 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 don't, I don't like being social sometimes. I like staying to myself. But God's changing me. God's trying to turn me into what He means for me to be, not what I am. So I step out of my comfort zone and I go around and I do this right here. I receive you or I welcome you just as what? How'd Christ receive me? Wide open. He said, Kevin Wells, come on in. Matter of fact, he said, I'm standing at your door and I'm knocking. I'm knocking. I want you to come in. So one way we care for the body is we welcome one another. Another way we care for the body comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. If you want to flip over to there. He says, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. To, to go quickly through this, this is what this means. Kind means of a loving nature, coming from a desire to do good to others. It means that, that you have a desire in you that you want to do good to others. And it comes from a loving nature that is inside of you. So he says, be kind to people. And then he says, be tender-hearted. And listen to what the Greek word that we get tender-hearted actually means. It means very sympathetic, actually trying to feel one's emotions. The best example I can give you of that, and I gave it to them one Sunday night, was uh, a few weeks ago, I was having a rough time in my life. I, I, just, I, I felt like I couldn't get a handle on things. It was, it was like I, don't, I didn't know what was going on. I was just really struggling. And um, I, I, I sit there, I actually went to the doctor, and I sit there in the doctor's office just reading a magazine, and all of a sudden, I, just, I was like, what is going on? I'm not supposed to be this way. What is, what is happening? I couldn't get a handle on it. 
And, and I went in there and I talked to the doctor about it. And I sit in there and talked to the doctor. And I told him, I said, I, I can't explain what's going on. And then the very next day, I'm up at the water plant and the doorbell rings. And Kirby Carpenter comes in. And he comes in and he sits down and he just, he just begins to talk. And um, he starts asking me, you know, what's going on, um, how things going and everything. And, um, and, and in our, as our conversation went on, I began to just kind of share some things with him. And, and I was sitting there and, and Kirby just stopped and he said, you know what? He said, I, he said, I want to pray for you. And I said, well, I'd be glad if you'd pray for me, brother. And he just leaned over top of me and I put my hand over on his knee. And he leaned over top of me and, and started praying. And while he was praying, all of a sudden I felt this wet something hit my hand. And in the middle of prayer, I literally thought to myself, Kirby Carpenter just spit on me. <laughs> and I'm thinking, the whole time he's praying, I'm thinking, you can't move your hand because if he felt it come out of his mouth and then you move your hand, he's going to know that he spit on you and then it's just going to ruin everything. So I just, I just sit there and I'm sitting there thinking, I got spit on my hand. And as he's sitting there praying, all of a sudden... He looks up, and tears are just flowing out of his eyes. It wasn't spit. It was tears. And as he was praying for me, I, it hit me when he looked up. I said, Kirby is not going through exactly what I'm going through. But he feels what I feel right now. He feels the emotions that I'm feeling. And this is something that the Spirit of God can, can, can do but, but Paul tells us to try to strive for that to try to have that spirit inside of us that whenever I sit down to talk to Nick I really want to feel what he feels I want to know what he's going through I want to be tender hearted and I want to be sympathetic toward him he feels what I feel and that changed everything for me that right there that changed everything. Matter of fact, wasn't long after that I started slacking off my medicine. I hardly ever take it now. Uh, I, I don't have to, you know. So, I mean, it was, it was just like that little thing right there. Like I told you a few weeks ago, the pilot was going down. Pilot was. Pilot was going down. But the co-pilot stepped in and picked everything back up. So, you know, I, I say to you, the scripture says one way you care for the body, be kind to one another. Be tender-hearted toward one another. And then he says, be forgiving toward one another. The word forgiving means to refusing to hold an account toward a debt owed you, even as Christ Jesus forgave you. The next thing I went over was from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. And this is where I'm going to get into my message this morning. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. It says... As each has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold what? Grace of God. So in other words, as a steward, something's been given to you, right? And according to this, good stewards of what has been given to you? Manifold grace of God. So grace has been given to each and every one of you. Each one has received a gift of grace. And he says to minister it to one another. Now here's where I don't want you to do today. I don't want you to go searching through the Bible trying to find a list where you can pick out what gift you are. You might find it if you do that. I'm not saying you can't. But I'm saying that there are more gifts out there than this book can contain. 
There are many things that you can do that you're not going to find on a list somewhere. You're not going to find it necessarily on a list that says here is a group of things that you should fall into. But instead, here's what I say you do. You take the grace of God that He has given you and you minister it to other people. And however, you just be yourself. And however this gift comes out of you as you try to act out in love, in mercy, in compassion, when you look through and you find ways to minister to others, as you give that out that you have received, however it comes out of you is going to be very distinct and it's going to be very needed for someone else. I want to give you an example of what I'm talking about this morning. Go with me if you would to the book of 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 1. This is where our main scripture comes from. We're going to read verses 13 through 18. Oh, I love this. I just pray that I spend enough time looking over it and studying it that I can preach this thing like it needs to be preached. I'm telling you, this is a, this is a message right here. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13 through 18. If you're there, say amen. Just a little recap, real quick, or not a recap, but a little bit knowledge for you. Paul is in prison in Rome. He's down in a prison that they actually have to lower you down into a dungeon. He is actually, the death sentence is on him, and in his mind he knows my time of departure is at hand. And he writes this letter to Timothy, and he wants Timothy to see bad examples and good examples of how to minister to others. So first thing in verse 13 he tells Timothy, Hold fast, Timothy. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. And in verse 15, This you know that all those in Asia have turned away from me. How many turned away from him? This you know. Paul sits in a dungeon by himself. At the end of his life, out of all the people he's ministered to, out of all the Christians that he's come to know the Lord, how many are still there? All in Asia have turned away from me. He said, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. Oh, but there's one guy. There's one man that I bet today you've never even heard of him. And yet at Paul's toughest time in his life, there's one guy that's there. Keep reading. He says in verse 16, The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onsiphorus, for he often, what? Refreshed me. And was not ashamed of my chain. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and he found me. In verse 18. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. You can be seated this morning. I want to talk to you for just a few minutes this morning. I want you to think about the Apostle Paul. He wrote the majority of the New Testament that we have. God used him to take the gospel to all of the Gentile nations outside of Jerusalem. He, he was the first one to go unto all the parts of the world. He is very well known, right? But then we have this guy that Paul mentions. After all else 
has turned away from him. He writes to Timothy and he says, Timothy, everyone else turned, including whatever them other two guys' names was, but the Lord grant mercy to this one man. Because this one man here, oh, he often refreshed me. This guy wasn't a great speaker. He didn't lead a whole bunch of people to the Lord. But Paul might not have made it without him. His name is Onsiphorus. And all he did was just be himself, show love by being kind, by being merciful, by being compassionate, and by giving the grace of God and letting it flow out of him unto others. And Paul said that this guy was a refresher. Now the word refreshing actually comes from from a, a, a Greek word that I can't pronounce, but the word actually means to recover one's breath, to make cool, or to cool again as the body is overheated, to give inner rest. In other words, the refresher is a man who comes on the scene and all of a sudden, when you didn't think you could breathe, when he gets done, you go, I can breathe. The refresher comes on the scene at one of the toughest times in your life when you are fixing to overheat. And whenever you get to that point after he leaves, you go, wow, it's a cool breeze that just comes through the building. The refresher comes on the scene and he ain't no great speaker. He ain't no great teacher. He ain't really got any great specific thing that he can do. But one thing he does is when he just lets the kindness and mercy flow out of his life, when it comes through, it's like a cool breeze just hits you in the face. And now there's a whole bunch of refreshers in this building. The problem is you don't know that you're a refresher. You don't even realize that that is your ministry. You don't even realize that this is what you can do to care for the body. Onesiphorus was a refresher. Out of all the people in Paul's life, Timothy, Titus, Aquila, Priscilla, Luke, Silas, and all types of other well-known people, my question to you this morning is what did this guy do different from all others that made Paul use him as an example on his deathbed for Timothy to be like? He told Timothy, hold fast. Don't you move. You keep doing what you're doing. Don't be like these guys, for they've all turned away from me and forsook me, but not this one. Onsiphorus refreshed me often. Onsiphorus, you know the many ways that he ministered to me while we were at Ephesus, how he refreshed me. So I want to go backwards, starting in verse 18. And I want to look for the many ways that Onsiphorus ministered and he refreshed. Look at verse 18. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know how, what's them next two words? How very well or how many ways, as another version puts it, he ministered to me while in Ephesus. Paul said it wasn't just while he was in Rome that this guy refreshed him. When I was back in Ephesus staying for three years, you know how many ways he ministered to me. Now think about this. First thing, he looked for many ways to minister to Paul and to others. If you want to be a refresher, point number one, write this down. You've got to look for many ways to minister to others. 
You can't just zero in and say, Ronnie, the only thing I do is I'm a pastor. You can't just zero in and Nick say, the only thing I do is I'm a Sunday school teacher. I do marriages. I don't mess with this out here. And that's what we do. We do that a lot of times. No, a refresher looks across this crowd and he says, how can I minister to Matthew Hagan? What does CJ have going on in his life right now that he needs me to do something? What does Wanda Senior need right now while she's down? Some of you have been refreshers over the last few weeks and you didn't even know it. What is it that Ann Engel needs while, while she is recuperating from her surgery? What is it that this body needs that I can just show the manifold grace of God that I have received and let it come out of me and refresh others? So I went back and I started doing some research. I study a lot. I don't recommend this to you, okay? I do it myself because I'm very secure in my belief. I believe I understand the scriptures well enough that, that I feel comfortable doing it. But I like to study the old, early Christian writings that are not included in the Bible. Some of them I believe to be accurate. Some of them I believe to be so far out there that I pray you never set your eyes on them. But there is one that I believe personally has some truth but some false because I'm not too sure about all of it. The book is called The, the, Apoc the Apocryphal Acts of the Apostles, Volume 2. It's supposed to be the second part to this book of Acts that we have today. The Protestant church did not include it in what you have in your Bible today because they did not believe it to be inspired by the Holy Spirit, so they left it out. However, it tells a story about Paul and Onesiphorus. This is the only place that I have found any other information about Onesiphorus. I think is how you pronounce his name. And in this, in this book, there's a story about Paul when he comes to a city of Iconium. Now, y'all listen. Paul steps on to the city of Iconium. And when he gets there, Onesiphorus has heard from Titus that Paul is coming. And Titus has told Onesiphorus, the kind of man that Paul is. And when Paul steps on the scene, Onesiphorus runs out to meet him and he greets him in the street. And he, he greets him and he invites Paul to come back to his house. And so he opens his house to Paul, number one. Never met the man before in his life until now. He opens his house and says, please make yourself at home as long as you want to stay here. Alright, so Paul knew he had a shelter over his head for as long as he wanted to stay. He fed him. He said, come in, let's break bread, let's eat, let's pray. So they came in and they broke bread. He fed him. He made sure that Paul had food in his stomach. And then the, the Bible tells us that they actually started a church in Onesiphorus' house, that he opened his home not only to Paul but many others. And they come into this house of Onesiphorus. And as Paul is teaching, there's a young woman named Thecla. Thecla comes and she's a young virgin girl that is betrothed or engaged to be married to another man who is a ruler in the city. Thecla comes up to the window of Onesiphorus' house and she sits down beside of it. Now y'all don't get bored with me, listen to me. She sits down at the window and for three days and three nights she does not move. She's so intrigued by Paul's words that she... She's afraid if she goes home while they sleep, she might not be able to make it back before he starts in the morning. So for three days and three nights, she cannot move from this window. Then her mother and her fiancé begin to miss her. 
And they come to find out that she's been sitting outside of this window listening to Paul and she's fixated on Paul. Her fiancé gets very jealous and being a ruler in the city, he gets the community together and they rally up people against Paul and a group of people come with staves in their hands and they come stand outside of Onsiphorus' house and they drag Paul out and take him before the court. And when Paul stands before the court, they proclaim that he is to be thrown in jail for a certain amount of days and whipped before he is released. So they put him in jail. Well, Thecla learns that Paul is in jail. So she goes and she pays and bribes the guard with gold bracelets to be able to come in and sit down and listen to Paul teach. So she comes in and the guard lets her in. She lays down in front of Paul and bows down in front of him at where he is chained with bracelets on his arms and his feet. And for a day she stays there until her fiancé begins to realize she's nowhere to be found. He comes back and they take Paul out of the prison and they whip him and they turn him loose. And they decide that they're going to make an example out of Thecla. He is so mad that he decides that he is going to have Thecla burned at the stake because at this day and time, Christians were being executed for being Christians. So they take Thecla and they put her on the cross in the amphitheater and they build up all this wood around her and they light the fire. Now listen, I don't know if this is accurate. I don't know if it's true. I'm getting to a point with it though, so just bear with me. They said that when they light the fire, that the flames roared up from it and that not a hair on Thecla was singed. The, the, Bible, the, the uh, book actually says not an atom of her hair was singed. And they said that then... The heavens opened up and rain and hail poured down causing many in the amphitheater to perish. And it put out the fire and only her bonds were released and she walked out of that place in the turmoil and as she's walking down the road, the story goes on to tell us that during these days that Thecla was on trial fixing to be made an example that Paul had begun to fast and pray. And... The apocryphal acts of the apostles tells us that Onsiphorus comes and he sees Paul fasting and he gets his whole family, even his little kids, little children, and he gets them to come and he tells his whole family, we are going to fast with Paul. And the whole family, Onsiphorus looks at Paul and he sees him praying for Thecla and he hears his prayer and he sees his pain and he says, my whole family is getting in with this guy. And for days, even his little ones did not eat anything because they were fasting and praying. Until one of the young youths stepped up and said, Paul, we're hungry. Because Onsiphorus was not going to stop until his friend was answered by God. And one of Onsiphorus' boys said, Paul, we're hungry. So Paul got up and he took his cloak off. And because they were away from Onsiphorus' house, they didn't have any money. So Paul gave the boy his cloak and said, Go into town and sell this cloak and buy bread in abundance for your family to eat. And as the boy is running into town, Thecla is coming out of the amphitheater. And the boy recognizes Thecla. And he says, Everybody's praying for you. What are you doing? And she said, God has delivered me. 
And he says, well, what are, where are you going? She said, I'm looking for Paul. He said, well, I know where he's at. I can take you back. And the boy gets tackled and goes running back. And they find Paul and Onesiphorus and the family in the floor. And, and she's standing over top of them as they're knelt down. And Onesiphorus and Paul and his family are praying and fasting together for Thecla. And Thecla's voice speaks. And Paul looks up. And they all rejoice together. And the story goes on. And many more great things happen. But my point is this. If these things are correct, then let me tell you some of the things that Onesiphorus did for Paul to refresh him. Number one, when Paul was fasting, it wasn't without purpose. When Paul was praying, it wasn't without purpose. Onesiphorus looked and he saw any way that he could to get in and minister with Paul and to Paul. Not only did he open his house and feed him to be able to minister to him, but he also would forsake his own family's um, eating to be able to make sure because he knew that if he was in the will of God, his family is going to be okay. So he pulls his family along with him and he gets in and he ministered to Paul by opening his house and feeding him. And then he ministers with, ministers with Paul as he sees the burden in Paul's heart for Thecla. He gets down and he fasts with him. As he sees the burden in Paul's heart for Thecla, he gets down and he prays with them. And he does not stop until Thecla shows up at the door. Now whether this story is true or not, one thing we know is this. Paul said that while they were in Asia or at Ephesus, and Iconium is only a few miles from Ephesus, so this could be one of the very things he's talking about. While they were in this place, Paul, that Onesiphorus ministered and refreshed him in many ways. The word minister actually means to wait upon, to be a servant, to provide care for one's need, to attend to anything that may serve another's needs so let me tell you the first point if you're going to be a refresher one more time. you got to look for ways to minister to Paul and to others. You've got to look across this body and you've got to see so and so is praying for this. I can minister to them by getting on my knees with them and letting them hear me pray for this and this and this. So and so is struggling right now. You know what? I can minister to them by giving them this and this and this, by visiting them and helping them with this and this. You don't just sit back and go, well, if somebody needs something, they'll call me. That's not a refresher. A refresher scans this group and says, who can I minister to? And he finds somebody, and then he goes to minister. That's point number one, look for many ways to minister to others. All right. Point number two. When everyone else was trying to hide, Onesiphorus came searching for him zealously. Look at verse 15 through 17. This you know, that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, look what he did. He sought me out very zealously and found me. Everyone else had forsaken Paul. I want you to, if you were to go on into 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul actually told Timothy, he said, They forsook me having loved this present world. In other words, they were so concerned about their own lives, they ran away when they saw what was happening to me. 
And while everyone else was running away because persecution was at the door, Onesiphorus was back at Ephesus or Iconium getting on a boat to go to this place to get off into Rome. And now think about this. He steps off the boat in Rome and he looks around and the moment he steps off he begins to ask, have you seen a man that has been going around preaching the way, preaching Jesus Christ? He's about this tall. He has a beard. He may be in prison. And, and people are probably going, Shh, hey, you, you, don't, you don't want to find this guy. If you find this guy, you're going to be in prison with him. And he moves on to the next one. Have you seen this guy, Paul? He makes no bones about it. He searches, what does the Bible say? Out very what? Now let me tell you what I would have done. I'd have got off the boat and I'd have said, Paul, Paul, hmm, I can't find him. And I'd have got back on the boat and I'd have went back to Ephesus and I'd told all my friends, I looked everywhere for Paul. I've been calling Paul all week long and he won't answer his phone. <laughs> I've been trying to get a hold of Paul. I knew he was struggling and I've been looking for Paul. Ronnie, I'm telling you, I've been going everywhere. I've called. I've, I bet you I've called 20 times a day, Nick. And you know what the truth is? I called once and prayed I got the answering machine when I called then. If you're going to be a refresher, you can't do that. If you're going to be a refresher, you've got to take no thought for your own life. But you've got to only care for the need and the well-being of your brother and your sister. And that is what you, is in your heart and that's what drives you to search through. You don't care what they do to you. The only thing you know is Paul needs somebody. And I'm coming to his aid. I'm going to be there. He took no thought for his own life, but only thought of what his brother needed. And this is evident by the story of their first meeting, if it is accurate, from the apocryphal acts of the apostles. Many days, Onesiphorus and his family had to share their house with many people. His family had to do without to fast and pray with Paul for Thecla. In other words, he took no thought for his own self. He took no thought for his own selfish desires. Many of you, if you think about it, this week, how easy is it for you to go home after a long day at work and know you've got to cook a meal for somebody else and then you've got to go take the meal to their house? If you'll be honest with me, sometimes you'll think, I wish I didn't have to do this today. I wish I could just go home. How many of you have been there? I wish I didn't have to be at church tonight. I wish I could just go home and lay on the couch. Mm -mm. If you're going to be a refresher... You take no thought. You take no thought in that. But instead you see there's a family that needs ministering to. And if my peace is not in it, it can't fulfill its purpose that God designed it to be. And you get there. And you get in there and you refresh. You take no consideration for your own self, your own things. But instead, while everybody else is running away and going home, you know what you're doing? You're zealously searching for the one that needs ministering to. If you're going to be a refresher, you've got to take no thought for yourself and you've got to very zealously search for the one that needs ministered to. You've got to look past you and you've got to look toward him. Number three. This is the last point. The mark of a true refresher. A genuine refresher. 
Because let me tell you something. I, I, I've, I've refreshed before. <laughs> but then I'll take a long break. It's kind of like a man who thinks he, he, he finishes up. He's had a big job over. His, it took him two weeks to get this job done. Now he's got to take a two-month vacation. Oh, man. Worked so hard. I've got to have a long vacation now. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. A true refresher. A genuine refresher. He is consistent. Look back with me again at verse 15 and 16 one more time. This you know, that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermonges. The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he what? Often refreshed me. In other words, he was consistent. He didn't just look today and say, oh, I helped her last week. We done helped her twice already this year. <laughs> I done helped them once this year, Ronnie. I've done done it three times, Nick. In a whole year, I've done it three times. In a whole year. You never once heard Onsiphorus say that. But instead, he said, what else can I do to minister to Paul? What else can I do to help take care of my family? What else can I do to help make sure this body is cared for the way that it is designed to be cared for? He is consistent. This was a continual lifestyle for Onesiphorus. And he was just being himself, always looking for ways that he could let the grace of God flow through him in mercy, compassion, kindness. And however it came out was exactly what Paul and the other members of the body needed. He was an unpresentable part. You didn't even, how many of you had ever heard of the guy before this morning? There was a few, few that's heard of the guy before this morning. But yet, you might not have had some of your New Testament today had it not been for this guy. For he often refreshed the man that wrote it. He was an unpresentable part, but he was even more needed than the presentable part. Are y'all hearing me this morning? If you're going to be a refresher, you've got to be consistent at it. Finally, there are several refreshers in this body of believers. And over the last several weeks, I've really seen many of you beginning to find your place in this position as a refresher. But I don't want you to look over how precious and needed this ministry is. If Paul needed refreshing, and you remember when Jesus, right before he went to the cross, the Bible tells us that he went to the garden to pray and he took three of his closest friends with him. What did Jesus need? Refreshing. He took, if Paul needed refreshing, if Jesus needed refreshing, you think you don't? You think I don't? You think everybody in here don't? It's our job to refresh one another. So I don't want you to look past this much needed thing. I think it's great that people have been stepping up going to help take care of Wanda while she's down. I think it's great that people have helped and feed Ann and, and Pat. And I think it's great that, that there have been some people that, that... But listen, I don't want you to think of that as just a, a one-time thing and overlook how great and precious this ministry is. This ministry is something that needs to be continual if it's going to be genuine. If not, it was just a burst of emotion that you felt like helping somebody at that time. Tomorrow you feel more like laying on the couch. He said, don't do that. Don't do that. Have a mind to be genuine in this thing. Find ways to minister to your brothers and sisters and care for the body. 
He designed for your unpresentable parts to take care of this. Look for ways to refresh others. We usually won't go through the trouble of helping. We would get off the boat and call a few times for Paul and tell everyone how we searched everywhere for him. But really, we're just lazy. Be willing to take no thought for your own life and sacrifice some time to minister to others. Did y'all hear what I said? I said, be willing to take no thought for your own life and sacrifice some time. I'm going to tell you, that's one of the most precious things in my life is my time. i got to be willing to sacrifice some of this stuff for others if I'm going to be a refresher. Don't be ashamed to be seen ministering to anyone, small or great. The Bible said, Onesiphorus was not ashamed of my chains. While everyone else was, he wasn't. Be a genuine refresher. Be consistent. Do it often. And as you have opportunity to do good unto all, do it unto all, especially to the household of faith that comes from the book of Galatians chapter 6. And here is my invitation this morning. Are you a refresher and you didn't even know it? Maybe that's your gift this morning. Maybe that's the manifold grace of God that you have received and you have opportunity and ways that you can give it out to others. Maybe you're a refresher this morning and you didn't even know you were performing a vital role. My next question, is being a refresher a way that you can care for the body of Christ? Or are you just one of those that's going to sit around and go, Lord, what can I do? If I don't get to teach a Sunday school class, I'm not needed. Maybe you're not. Maybe not. There is a whole lot more out there than Sunday school teachers. There's a whole lot more precious ministries out there than just preaching and teaching. And refreshing is one of the greatest that I've seen yet. So maybe being a refresher is a way that you can care for the body of Christ. Do you need to become a genuine refresher and be consistent at it? Maybe you have displayed God's grace at being a refresher, but you just ain't very consistent at it. Maybe you need to become a genuine this morning. It will consume you. Listen to me. I promise you, <laughs> it'll consume you. But if you keep your eye on the prize, you won't care. If you keep your eye on the prize, you will not care. You will only focus on being true to Him and doing anything you can for the bigger purpose, caring for the body of Christ. I wrote it like this. It'll consume you, but the reward is out of this world. Shirley, come on. The invitation is open this morning for you to just ask God for help in, in this area of ministry because it is a very much needed ministry. The invitation is open for you to humble yourself before the mighty hand of God and, and let Him exalt you and lift you up as you cast your cares upon Him. The invitation is open to receive Him as Savior this morning. I don't know if there's somebody out there that you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life. And today is the day that you say, I've got to turn my life over to Him. And I've got to follow His way. And if that is today, I encourage you to come today with no shame, but just recognizing that this is what has to be done in my life. If that's you this morning in any of those cases, I encourage you to stand this morning and come as we sing.